Well, good morning. I'm reminded of in 1953, in July of 1953, during the Korean War, they signed the armistice of uh, the Korean War. It simply means a ceasefire, a rest of arms, a rest of war, but not the end of the war. And so that declaration is still in place today, 66 years later, where there is still just that ceasefire. And as I think about that, I think about the war that's going on right now for the hearts and minds of those uh, in this world, that the devil hasn't stopped fighting, that we're in a war, and that just as in Korea, one of the things I had the uh, uh, privilege of doing is uh, going there and standing on the DMZ. The DMZ is a demilitarized zone, and that's the line or the ground that separates North Korea from South Korea. And, uh, and so the enemy is just across, it's a big valley that runs about 250 kilometers. When you go there, there is a, a little wall area where they had a, have a glass wall and it's bulletproof glass. And so the North Korean soldiers stand on one side and the South Korean soldiers stand on the other side and they have a staring match at each other. You could, you're literally this far away from each other and the glass is in between. They put the tallest and the biggest soldiers at the demilitarized zone so that they can try to threaten one another and intimidate one another. And they're looking at each other. And so they bring us into this room and we're able to see this. We're able to imagine how quickly things could become escalated and how quickly things could change because the, the major city in South Korea, which is Seoul, South Korea, is only approximately 35 miles from the demilitarized zone. So within an hour, if war was to re be reestablished, recontinue, re most of that country could be devastated within an hour, could be destroyed. And so it's so important that those men and women that are standing on that demilitarized zone, standing on that wall, that they're watchful, that they're always keeping their eye on what's going on, their eye on the enemy, their eye on to their left and to their right, and so that they can see the threats that are coming, so that they can see the enemy approaching. And I believe that there's a story in there, there's a reminder for all of us as we serve the Lord. If we've called upon Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you know, the Bible reminds us that we are now soldiers in the army of the Lord. And that it's so important that we be watchful. And so I want to talk with you today about that, that very point, a set watchman, being a set watchman. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the 62nd chapter. Verse 6 will be our scripture reference today. Isaiah, the 62nd chapter, verse 6. And maybe we would ask our, ourselves that question. Are we a watchman? Are we being watchful of the things of God? Are we watching for the approaching enemy? Are we discerning the spirit? Are we discerning those things around us? And so if you're there, Isaiah, the 62nd chapter, verse 6, it reads, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silent. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts in a mighty way, that we may see you high and lifted up, that we may serve you with our whole heart and be watchful for the day that's coming. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. 
So let me take a moment to just share a little bit about Isaiah. So Isaiah was called of God to be a prophet of God and to be a prophet to the people of Israel. And so one of the tasks that, that Isaiah had was to preach God's word, to be in prayer for the people, because the, the term prophet means a seer. And so he was called to see, to be always watchful for the things of God, to be watchful of the enemy approaching, and to give the Israelite people a strong warning, to remind them of God's purpose and plan for them. Because see, what had happened was they had, they had ignored God, they had disobeyed God, and it had caused them to go into bondage, to be captured by the Babylon nation and spent 70 years in captivity. They spent 70 years. And, out, and now coming out of this captivity, Isaiah was commissioned to keep telling them, keep warning them, don't go back. Don't allow those, themselves to take their eyes off of God, off of his commandments and his promises and his purposes. Because just as what had happened before, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in so much bondage. And so often it doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen where it's just sudden that we would see it, but it could just ever so subtly. It's kind of like a crab. When you put a crab in a, in a bucket of water before you cook it, you don't ever just turn the water all the way up. You start real low, and then you just start turning the heat up a little bit at a time. And that crab gets comfortable and starts feeling good, and before you know it, he's boiling, and it's too late. Because if we turn that water up all the way, and the water is hot, and you throw that crab in there, what do you hear? You hear that screaming, right? And the crab tries to jump out because he knows that he's burning. But it's those subtle things that can cause us to take our eyes off and not be watchful. So a see it when we're seeing what is, we're looking at what is coming, what's around us. Isaiah was to warn others of all those things that was coming around him. Because I, Israel had turned away from God and disobeyed his command to keep themselves and the Sabbath day holy. God allowed Israel to be taken into captivity. Israel had just returned from 70 years of captivity in Babylon to find that the temple and the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed. So they go back to their city and they see these walls torn down. These were the walls and this was the temple that David had started and that Solomon had finished. They were a mark of honor. They were a mark of holiness and righteousness before God because God had called them to be ye holy for I am holy. And now they go back to Jerusalem, and they see the walls destroyed and burned. And so it was a symbol of their faith, that their faith had not been following God, that it had been serving themselves and serving the world where there's great destruction. See, Jesus reminded us in 1010, he said, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so they were seeing that the thief had still stolen killed, and destroyed. As Israel set about the task to rebuild the walls, her enemies taunted and snared at them, reminded them of how weak and how insufficient, and reminded them of the destruction that they had partaken in. And so it's so easy when things are going bad all around us to take our eyes off of God. And so God was reminding them through the voice of, of Isaiah is don't look upon them. Don't listen to those destructive things, but allow your eyes to see and your ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Keep your eyes focused on his will and his purpose and his plan 
for your life. But let me share a little bit about what that verse kind of brings out to us when we look at it in, in Isaiah 62, 6. The first part says, I have set watchmen on the walls, O Jerusalem. And so we see that God is speaking to his people and saying that there are those that I'm placing in your life to be a watchman for you. And that set means to be set means that that individual has been made ready, that they're able to sit in that position and be on watch for the Lord. And so that means that we have to be ready in season and out of season to give an answer of the hope and the, and the glory that's within us. See, God is not going to just set anybody on that wall, but those that have prepared themselves and, and got themselves ready for the work. And so it's important that we ready ourselves day by day because here's the reality of it. God wants to use each and every one of us to be a watchman, to be set on the wall. Maybe that's for your family. Maybe that's for your workplace. Maybe that's for the people that you encounter day by day. And it's not that, it, that it's a, 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 a pointing, that fing, pointing the finger at people or telling them what they're doing wrong, but we encourage one another with the Word of God and our testimony of how good He's been to each and every one of us that we're ready to give an answer, that we don't miss those opportunities, that we allow God to set us, to establish us, to put us in a place of trusting in Him each and every day, not ourselves. Because, see, I know we're excited about what LSU did last night, and we're thankful for what our service members have done in times past and will do, but our eyes should be fixed upon Jesus, who has established it, he was set, he was ready to be on watch and to give God the glory for it. And so just as he can do that, we're called to be an example, just like Jesus was, that we would be ready to give an answer. That verse, that first portion of the verse also tells us because of God's love and his rejoicing over Zion, he will protect them. See, God is the one who sets the watchman in place, that he wants us to know that he'll protect us, he'll watch over us. Though they were conquered before by the Babylonians, the day will come when he will make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. So if we've called upon Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we've accepted him, the Bible says we are adopted in the beloved, we become children of God. And yes, there are trials in this world. There are things that happen to all of us. But there's a day coming. God says, hold on. There's a day coming when he will set us on high, that we will rejoice in him, that these light afflictions are not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory that will be revealed in us. See, there's also a time of rejoicing as we look at these scriptures. It also reminds us, it says in there, the watchmen are on thy walls. The watchman is on the walls. The watchmen have a constant duty. They shall never hold their peace Day or not. See, being on that wall means something. See, I thought about those times that I was in a foxhole or that I was standing in a fob and there was a wall there. Anytime we would go into the watchtower or we would be in the foxhole, that was a little bit different when you weren't in there. You seemed to be a little bit more attuned to what was happening around you. I remember a night it was so dark you couldn't see in front of you. So all you could do was just listen. We were standing on that wall, and we were just listening. We could hear the break of the grass. We could hear the ruffle of someone on the sand coming closer. And so God is reminding us through that we may not see it all. See, our faith is not established on what we see, but what we know to be true, that we can feel his presence all around us. 
that we can sense within ourselves when something's not right. You ever been there and we just had them little chills come over you? And you'd be like, this is not where I should be. I remember driving down the road one time in, in Iraq, and this lady, we, we, we turned down the wrong road, and we saw all of these Iraqis starting to gather up and starting to move. And I saw a lady on the side of the road, and she looked at me right in the eyes, and, this is, and the only thing she did was shake her head. She went, she was telling me to get off that road. I could sense that that was not the road that we were supposed to be on. And so quickly we made a left and we got off that road. And so God is reminding us as we're watching, we're on that road, we have to be sensitive to the Spirit, sensitive to the discerning what thus saith the Lord. That it may not always, sometimes you can look at a situation and you look at it and it doesn't seem exactly right. And you say to yourself, well, I'm not sure. There's something on the inside of you that says, you know what you're looking at. Don't ignore it. God has equipped us with so much power in the spirit that we can discern good from evil. My grandmother used to say, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. We don't need to walk up to it and say, are you a duck? And so we stand on that wall being watchful. Also, as we look at this scripture, it says, I have set watchmen who shall never hold their peace. Come on, saints, we quiet too much. You know, and that when it says, never hold thy peace, What it's really that portion of Scripture is saying is that we're crying out to God in prayer, that we're crying out. See, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty towards God to the pulling down of strongholds and the lifting up of the same, that we are spiritual warriors, that we can go before God and he hears us. The Bible also says we have not because we ask not. And so it's so important that we cultivate a life of prayer that we never keep silent. What it's saying is that you keep going back over and over and over and over again till you, if it even seems like you may think God's got to be tired of me. He got to be tired of me just continually crying out. See, the Bible says God never sleeps nor slumbers. He's not going to get tired of you talking with him. I love how Spurgeon says it. He said, a restless Savior calls upon his people to be restless and to make the Lord himself restless, to give him no rest till his chosen city is full of splendor, his chosen church complete and glorious. See, it ain't done yet. There's still work to be done. Spurgeon went on to say, give him no rest. It's our Lord's own command to us concerning our great God. I do not suppose any of you ever advised a beggar to be impotent with you. Think about this. Did you say, whenever you see me, go over this crossing, go over this direction, ask me for a penny. If you do not give, if I do not give you one, run after me or call after me all the way down the street. If that does not succeed, lay hold upon me and do not let me go until I help you. Beg without ceasing. Did any of you ever invite applicants to call upon you like that or a beggar to call upon you like that? But see, that's the way God calls upon us. Press me, urge me, lay hold upon my strength, wrestle with me. Ask when a man seeks to give another a fall that he may prevail with him. All this and much more is included in the expression, give him no rest. Pray without ceasing. Don't keep silent. God desires that you don't stop. Why does God want us to be so diligent about coming to him in prayer? Because the devil is diligent. 
He's not going to stop. See, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. See, his plan is not just to injure you. His plan is not just to hurt your child, but it's to devour them, to totally consume them. And so we have to be unceasing, to never keep silent. And then as we're never keeping silent to the Lord, he's readying us, he's setting us so that now we can give an answer. And it doesn't have to be mean or hateful or judgmental, but give an answer. Here's what God has done for me. He set me free, and he wants us to share that with somebody. It's also important that we understand that the battle is not of the flesh. See, we need to keep crying out to him because the battle is not of the flesh. And if we stop crying out, if we stop speaking with God, we'll get in the flesh. We'll start trying to put it into our own process. And we'll start trying to figure it out for ourselves. But in our prayer and study, God would say, seek me first, the kingdom of God and my righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. As we go in prayer and study, he may just say to you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Let them hit you, and when they slap you, turn and give them the other cheek. When they try to take your clothes, give them your shirt. Give them your coat, and watch me bless you. See, 2 Corinthians 10 reminds us of the battle that we're in. In 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 3 through verse 6, it walks through a couple things for us. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see that? See, the war is more on the inside than it is on the outside. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll be fighting the battles on the outside and losing the war on the inside. And so God speaks to our hearts about fighting the good fight of faith, tap, pulling down those strongholds, those imaginations, those thoughts that he can't do it, that we have to do it for ourselves. But we trust him, and he leads us along the way. The third point when we think about why we should diligently go to God in prayer is God is calling us to be soldiers in his army, first and foremost. Not political soldiers, not military soldiers, not social soldiers. Before we are soldiers of his in his army. And so he reminds us to keep it in the right place, to know who we are, whose we are, and the plan that he has for us. Look what verse 6 says. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. See, when we're obedient, God already has in readiness to fulfill it, everything. See, a lot of times why God holds back stuff because we're not ready yet. He said, are you going to trust me? Are you going to walk in obedience? No matter what it looks like. Yeah, the world's doing everything else to make money, but that's not how I told you to do it. I didn't tell you to cheat your way to success. I didn't tell you to steal your way to success. I told you to stay faithful and trusting me. And once we get there and we start just, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to do it the way you say do it. Then he fulfills it. He lays it all out for us as a testimony of how good he's been. You ever been in the situation where, where people just looked at you and say, how in the world did you get there? How in the world did that happen? Because of him. When we're obedient, he, he can fulfill all things. See, I recently read a true story about a preacher who was standing at the door shaking hands as the congregation was leading, leaving. And there was one man that was leaving, and he looked at that man, and he said, John, you need to be in, in the army of the Lord. 
And Jarman looked back at him, and he said, I'm already in the army of the Lord. And the preacher looked back at him. He said, well, John, you only come on Christmas and Easter. So how are you in the army of the Lord? He, he looked at him, and he said, I'm in the secret service. Saints of God, God doesn't want us to be secret about our service. And so that's you. Let's get in the full-time army. Let's not be secret about our service. We are called to fight the good fight of faith, called to be watchmen that are not ashamed of the gospel, called to be those that are sober, that have a clear understanding of God's will and purpose for us. We're called that to be vigilant, that we don't give up and become complacent just because everybody else around us is doing it. See, if the masses are doing it, there's got to be something wrong with it. Because your adversary is not going to stop. He is not going to sign an armistice. He's just going to cause us to think there is. Being a watchman is our God-called responsibility. See, here's what a watchman does. A watchman looks. He keeps his watch. He keeps his eyes on the objective. A watchman senses those things around him. Even though we may not be able to see it with our eyes, we can feel it with our spirit. A watchman discerns what's good and what's not good. A watchman discerns and makes corrections, first and foremost for themselves, and then shares it with somebody. So there's an inward and then there's an outward correction. Then a watchman allows the Lord to give him that peace to be still. So there were many times in Iraq and many times those of you that served that seems like there was raging a war all around you and God had a way of just bringing peace in the midst of a storm. And Maybe your life has been like that. You've had storms and you've had all kind of things going around you, but God just gave you this peace that you didn't you didn't understand what it was all about, but you knew that you could just trust him. See, I love what Habakkuk, the second chapter, verse 1 and 2 says. It says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say unto me. See, that watchman is standing in his tower and waiting to see and hear God speak what he will say. It goes on to say, and I will, and what I shall answer when I am reproved, I love that part, when I'm corrected. See, the correction first must start with us. Then I can answer. So often we're trying to correct everybody around us, but we're not allowing God to correct us. And so he says, and watch, I shall answer when I am reproved. And what will be my response to God? Will it be what Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. See, a watchman also sounds the trumpet. A watchman's willing to say something. In a loving and kind way, the Bible says, speak the truth in love. And so it's important that we mix both of those. We don't leave out truth for the sake of love because that's really not true love. And we don't leave out love when we're speaking truth because that's just brutal. beats up. It condemns when God wants to convict us. It goes on to say in verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables, that he may run that readeth it. So it's important when we're sharing with others that we've been watching, whether that's our kids, whether that's our neighbors, and even sometimes our own parents, that when we're sharing truth, that we're doing this, we're making it plain. We're not just saying you shouldn't be doing this, but here is how God wants to bless us. God wants to move you. We have to be willing to wait for them to see it, because until they get it, they're not going to be able to do much with it. Somebody told me a long time ago, and I was, I was kind of having a frustrating moment within myself about one of my kids was doing something. And they said to him, Jeff, said to me, sometimes we wanted, oftentimes we wanted more for them than they wanted for themselves. Until they want it for themselves, they'll never get it. So we have to be willing to wait, still share, give love, 
but be patient until they get it for themselves. So our encouragement from the Lord is to be a watchman that brings good tidings. If we're not careful, we can talk about all the negative stuff, but Jesus came to bring good tidings, to bring the good news. And so we can share the good news as watchmen. Look what Isaiah said in, uh, in chapter 52, verse 7 and 8. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7 and 8. He said, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publishes peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, God's people, thy God reigneth. Verse 8 goes on to say, Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. So saints, as being watchmen, we have to be rejoicing as well. We have to be seeing, we have to be lifting up and bringing good tidings. If we are saying one thing but demonstrating that, that we don't have the joy of the Lord, that God hasn't been good to us, that we're struggling in our faith, and then we're trying to tell somebody this is what they should be doing. Y'all know the term sad sacks? Have you ever been moved by a sad sack? Not much, right? See, the reality of it is, is everybody wants to be part of something good. Nobody wants to be a part of something bad. And if we're coming across like it's a, it's a, a hard thing to come to church or to serve the Lord, then they're not going to receive it as good news. They're not going to receive it with glad tidings. See, we got to be glad about it. We got to rejoice. So we do that by trusting in God's plan. Here's what the Bible says about God's plan. And in, in Psalms 127, 1, it says, except the Lord builds the house. Psalms 127:1. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So if you're just doing it, you're going, kind of going through the motions, going through religion, and you haven't made a personal confession of your faith. If you haven't personally embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're trying to build your house on your own accord, you're doing it in vain. See, we have to let him build the house. We have to let him watch over. And then we trust him, and he wakes us, and he readies us, and gives us the right season at the right time. That's why the Bible says be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to stand on that wall. Be ready to be watchful. See, too many times in my life, I got caught not ready. You ever been there? That this crisis came up or someone was in need, and you got so busy in the day. You got so much going on that you didn't take time to allow the Lord to speak to you. You didn't allow him to stir your heart and to give you that peace. So you went through the busyness of your day, and when that opportunity came, you weren't watchful. You didn't see it until after it already passed. And then you were able to look back and see that you maybe missed that moment. See, God wants us to be ready because there's somebody that's needy to see him through us. There's somebody that's needing to see in our brokenness that there's some Christ glue holding us together. That in our weakness, 
Through him we're made strong. And when he asks us that question, how are you standing? How are you in the midst of being rejected, being hurt? You're trusting and you're following God. And you're able to share what he's done for you. You're able to just say, if it wasn't for God on my side, he saved me. He delivered me, and he's kept me this day. And that person, they may not say it to you, but there's something that happens when we come face-to-face with Christ. There's a pricking and there's a breaking. And God wants to use you to transform a life. So all the stuff that you've been through, all the things that's going on, they're not for nothing. God is going to use it and is using it to show himself to you and to somebody. So he's challenging us today to be that watchman that sets ourselves on a firm foundation. And that our watching is first and foremost to him, and then we're watching for others so that we would be able to share the hope that's within us. I'm seeing a whole lot of hope in this room. I'm seeing a whole lot of joy because I'm seeing Jesus in you. Let's be watchful together. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. He's worthy.